We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's your True Faith Newcastle United podcast. It's International Week, but don't worry, we have plenty to talk about because, of course, everything's gone mad at the club. Um, we are in the middle of several different uh, issues, but today we've joined, we're joined by Chris Woff of The Athletic. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm also joined by Cy Campbell and Johnny Greenwood, and we're going to be talking through lots of different things going on at Newcastle United where that leaves us between now and January and what we need to do in January. Reminder from us, we are on Patreon. It's between three and eight pounds a month for this podcast ad free, right up to a whole range of podcasts every week uh, done by our amazing team. So please do consider joining us on there. And one final plug as well. Um, We are doing a live show on December the 5th at the stand in Newcastle. I didn't sound sure there, but I am sure. It's there and it's then. <laughs> um, that should be a great night. We're going to have some Christmas drinks after if people want to join us. And uh, and yeah, just listen to... Um, it's going to be fine between now and then, so it's all going to be fine. So that's what we're going to be talking about. So it's going to be a great night. So please do consider joining us. The links to tickets are in the description of this podcast. Okay. We'll start. We'll start. It feels like everything's kind of going a little bit wrong at the club at the moment. I don't want to say that because so much has gone right up to this point, but we are in the middle of um, an unprecedented sort of injury crisis. Um, and and pre-season, Chris, I'm going to put this to you. I'm going to open it with you. Pre-season, there was a sort of discussion between fans about how hard this season would be because there are more games. There's more injuries probably and more scrutiny on the club. I don't think anybody saw Newcastle getting six opponents, including Manchester clubs, Chelsea, Milan, Dortmund and PSG. Um, no one predicted Newcastle being without their two, their first team signings, Tenali and Barnes. No one saw 13 first team members um, out in November and, and nobody really thought the Premier League would do a mid-season rule change. <laughs> specifically... It does seem when you list it out that it's what the hell is going on. Um, so with all this in mind, could you just tell us everything's going to be fine? <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, it's just easy to counter that immediately, given that there's only, I think there's probably more people sat around this table than there are fit first team players. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do think things will be all right. I think things might get worse before they get better in the short term because Newcastle have so many injuries right now 
there aren't going to be that many back come next weekend. You're probably going to have Isak back. Almiron might be available. Botman could, in theory, be back in, in the not-too-distant future if his knee does clear up. But beyond that, Newcastle are going to have to use the same players over and over again uh, over the course of the next few weeks. And they've got, obviously, they're playing Saturday, Tuesday, just about every single week. And that, inevitably, load-wise, will lead to further injuries. But I think there is a bit of recency bias here in terms of us looking at the season negatively because if you'd, if you'd spoken to everyone immediately after the Arsenal game, then I think there would have been a, everyone would have been a lot more positive. There are two very deflating performances where I think Newcastle just went over the hill really in terms of the players they had available, their fitness, the mental load of what they've had to go through, Come up, coming up against Dortmund who really in both matches had just schooled them at a Champions League level, sort of knew how to, to deal with that occasion. And I, I do think that, that Newcastle have had to deal with so much so far this season, but I think they will be stronger for that in the medium term. In the short term, possibly not. But you, all the things that you mention, Newcastle, this was always going to be a challenge for Newcastle this season because the manager hadn't dealt with the Champions League before. Most of the coaching staff hadn't. Most of the players haven't. Most of the people at the club haven't, even at the very executive level. Mm-hmm. Everyone raves about Dan Ashworth and he's done very well, but he's not been in this situation before and so everyone is learning as they go and I think until a fortnight ago they were doing pretty well after a, a challenging start and now it's just trying to get through the next few weeks and then I think come come the new year I think they will be stronger for it yeah I'm, I, I need more from you Chris because I'm starting <laughs> to get a bit worried um I must admit the fixture list ahead is is cruel um and we thought we just had a, a tough set of fixtures but when you look at what we've got Chelsea Man U we've obviously got the two Champions League games in there then we go to Spurs um, it's and then Chelsea away again. Like it's it's gonna get worse, like you say. And and but the injury list doesn't seem like it's clearing up as much as this international break was absolutely desperately needed. It doesn't feel like it's gonna do that much to the to the squad. And I'm not saying I don't think we can beat these teams. So I think we can beat Chelsea at home. I think we can beat Man United at home. But we're getting to that end of the part of the season where already we're starting to not need to drop points. So when we go to Everton, when we go to Spurs. And we, it might be another over-the-hill kind of situation where we lose or drop points and it's going to get to the point where how many more of these can we let the lads off with? Um, and they absolutely have to be let off, by the way. The, the reason we're, we're not strong enough to take on this set of fixtures is, is the squad and the kind of unprecedented stuff. The Tonali thing as well, which mm. no one could have predicted. And I said... Tonali might have been able to predict that. I was just about to say that. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said, I said last week, um, I think some of the injuries are a little bit... Um, you know, unfortunate. You know, Barnes breaking a toe, Murphy dislocating a shoulder, adding to the the kind of injuries you would expect from the from the fixture list. As um, we have been unlucky on top of the kind of stuff that yes, this was always going to happen because of the fixtures. So, yeah, I need more. Uh, t- tell us how. <laughs> tell us how it's going to no be. No okay. pressure, Chris. <laughs> to spin it to spin a positive on the, yes, the international that. break is that if Newcastle had been playing this weekend. Isak wouldn't be playing. Almiron definitely wouldn't be playing. And I think there would be even more injuries in the short term. So that's mm. trying to spin a positive from, from quite a <laughs> negative, I accept. But feels a little bit too granular. <laughs> yes, but, but I'm just... the. I do think that where Newcastle are, they are still in every single competition that they ended at the start of the season. They've had, as Charlotte mentioned, the draw that they've had in every single competition. I, th- I think that hasn't, certainly externally beyond Newcastle, been appreciated enough that it's not just Newcastle haven't been able to go into a League Cup match against League Two opposition and basically then they can rotate the side or they can play some of their first teamers and it's a sort of quote-unquote easier Mm. outing they haven't had that every single match has had something right on every single match going forward is going to have something riding on it and that's 
even even Man City usually don't have to go through that. Man City usually have a couple of sort of stroll in the parks, which, which they haven't had. So Newcastle have had to deal with a heck of a lot. I do think a lot of the situation is unprecedented. Some of the injuries now seem to be more about load because you are starting mm. to get muscular injuries. Previously, yeah. a lot of the ones, as you mentioned, Dan Burnland on his back, that's unfortunate. Uh, Jacob Murphy... Elliot Anderson, to a certain degree, was unfortunate. The, the, all of these other injuries, whereas now it feels like that is, is starting to take its toll. But I do think that December, if Newcastle can start well, if they can start well by getting a positive result against Chelsea, I do think they are very much a momentum-based side. And you've mm. seen that in a, lot, in a lot of what they've done in recent weeks. I do think that winning at Man United then helped them win against Arsenal. And I, so I think that without trying to put too much pressure on a Chelsea game when Newcastle are going to be stretched for it, I do think if they win that, I think a lot of the pressure that we are feeling externally at the minute, the the, the looking at the situation and feeling this is quite bleak, I think a, a fair bit of that would lift and then they go to PSG and it feels to a certain extent that that's almost definitely pressure off for that match because I don't think anyone really expects the squad at the minute to go there and win at PSG. But I, I think they are capable of doing it even, with, even in depleted circumstances as they are. Do you think, Chris, that we, you talk about the game load and I think we can all agree that we can beat anybody on our day now include the likes of Manchester City Liverpool whoever because we are at our best we're very very difficult to stop but you talk about the workload more than anything we've had seven games last and before the last international break seven games before that we've now got 10 games before we have a week off between Forest <laughs> on Boxing Day to Liverpool on New Year's Day 10 games and you look at the, the first five or six in particular you've got the likes of Milan Man United Chelsea whoever Yes, we can beat them, but is it just, just going to be too much? Because I think that's, for me, that's my biggest concern because, yes, we might have players back, but can they get back up to speed straight away? I think Newcastle are entering the unknown, and I think a lot of people around the club would accept that, that they just don't know because there is the fear that they will lose a few more bodies in the course of the next few weeks. So that, that could well happen. But the reverse, if you look at the ultra positives, if, if they don't lose further players, then come the start of December, you could have... Harvey Barnes back that then starts to to lessen the load a little bit mm-hmm. once you get beyond Milan then regardless of what happens in terms of if Newcastle are still in Europe or not if they're still in the Champions League or not they don't have another European game till February so that starts to lessen the load a little bit and I suppose the difficulty for Howe is that Newcastle aren't really training much and for him that is a big frustration and until January they're not really going to have that opportunity as well because as you say they don't really have a week off and so even during this international break I mean he's had a handful of players who are there to actually work with He's had to give them time off, I think, as much for a mental rest as, as, as a physical rest because they have to keep ticking along in terms of physically. They can't just have the full week off because otherwise that risks the injuries increasing as well. So, yes, December could be testy, but I also, if you try and flip it and, and look at the positive, yes. I, do, I, do think, I do think that momentum could could pull Newcastle through. And in some ways, if, if they were to, to lose to PSG and then they're out of the Champions League, in some ways that might lessen the load as well because then mentally then you can just focus on the other competitions and then almost the Milan game. I'm not sure I'm not saying you just toss it off because Hedy Howe would never do that. And obviously you're gonna have a sellout Newcastle crowd coming to St. James's Park. But in terms of the pressure being around it, that wouldn't be there. And so I do think that, that we'll we'll learn a lot more over the course of the next two matches as to where Newcastle are and how December may look in terms of whether they can get the momentum to push them through it. I like the point that, you know, we are in every competition that we started in. I think that's a good thing to kind of get your claws into and say, okay, well, actually, it's not as bad as, as it might have been. Um, my one question just before we break for part two is you've talked about, you talked a little bit about, um, 
we didn't have lower league opposition. We couldn't rotate the squad a little bit and we couldn't give some players a rest for some of those cup games, for example. Do you think, and I'm not saying I think this, do you think it was the right decision to go in full strength at some of those for some of those games or do you think it's just not in Eddie Howe's mentality to even consider like pulling back from something like a cup run I don't think he did go in full strength I mean he, he made a lot of changes the, the, the thing at the, the reason why the Man United win was so impressive was the plan was always that Eddie Howe was going to rotate for that match but if he'd had a lot more players available it wouldn't have looked like a third string side as, as it actually turned out to be if you look at the Man City game mm. at home he made he made quite a few changes but then he, at half time he brings on Gimaraes and, and, and Trippier and, and the game yeah. starts to turn but Newcastle had stayed within it he hadn't made as many changes to, to bring in players who you just think he's got Paul Dummett and, and Emil Kraft at centre-half. They've played one game between them in 14 months. Uh, Emil Kraft hasn't, has, has had a very serious injury. He was sort of forced into that, and I think that there's been more of that than he would ideally like, and I think you've seen that in recent games as well when he's he's been playing Livermento as sort of a right-sided forward when really he, he didn't... He was asked about this uh, before the Dortmund game. How do you see him as an option then? He said, well, I didn't sign him as an option there, but I've, I have to adapt as we are going because we have to try and find square pegs for round holes essentially because of, of where Newcastle are so I I do think that we've that that versatility has been important and I think that you'll see that going forward as well that, that Newcastle made some signings in the summer who can play in a few different positions and given how stretched they are I think that's partly what they're going to be looking for in January as well I mean one of you mentioned Tonali earlier I know that that is a big frustration in general obviously because Newcastle lost them for 10 months but you, this international break when there are so few players there and you've got Sandro Tonali turning up every day in theory, fully fit, uh, a, a Champions League quality player, and you can't actually use him on a week. That, that's almost that. It's positive for Tonali because you need him to be around. You want to be around training, but then you've got the opposite. It just reminds you of how stretched you actually are, and that's that's a situation which, again, Newcastle have had that thrown at them, and there's been endless debates about whether they should have known, could they have known, but the fact it was they didn't know, and they got from October onwards, they've had to deal with one of their limited number of midfielders being out for the remainder of the season. Feels like a very cruel trick to have him there, doesn't it? Like fully fit, <laughs> happy as Larry. It's probably not. Sorry. Yeah, my my only concern around the rotation because yeah, we did do a bit of rotation for those um, League Cup games. So ultimately, like I say, we played quite strong players when we could have just left them, given them the, the midweek off. But why didn't? And it's, it's easy with hindsight from my perspective. Obviously, why didn't we rotate a bit more earlier in the season for? other games you know we've seen that Livermento is good we've seen that Lewis Hall is good they could have played a bit more we could have rotated the squad a bit earlier and, and maybe not maybe they needed a bit of time to get up to the speed but I feel like in hindsight you look back at kind of Sheffield United away Palace at home Burnley at home those are games that we kind of breeze through maybe you could have rested some of the main the, the first 11 a bit more and kind of used a bit more rotation I don't know if I'm being harsh but it just feels like Livermento and Hall barely played a game until we absolutely had to play them um, whereas could we not have used them a bit more I understand that I'm not completely coming back at it but the, the two current points I'd make is you, you mentioned the breeze through those matches but at the time some of those matches are quite high pressure games yeah. that they actually needed yeah. to win and so in hindsight mm. it did look but also particularly for Hall but to a degree with Livermento come back from long-term injury Hall basically hadn't played in pre-season and so they were they were slowly building him up load-wise and I mind to understand what Eddie Howe wanted and mm. he's very reluctant to just throw players in you, you can argue the positives and negatives of that but that's just not the way that he works so I think we could keep talking forever, but we'll break there for some ads. If you want to hear these podcasts without them, please join us on Patreon. It's between three and eight pounds a month. We'll be back for part two in a second. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Part two of the show, and we're going to get into um, some more of the challenges that we've kind of talked around a little bit. We've talked about personnel. We've talked about injuries a lot there in the first half of the show, which was supposed to be really positive, And now I'm not sure that I'm convinced everything's going to be brilliant. Um, if you wanted positive, you should have brought someone else. I'm, I'm <laughs> um, I should have briefed you better. Um, that's fine. We can deal with it. Um, this week, 21st, on the 21st of November, so Tuesday this week, uh, the Premier League clubs will vote on a rule, a proposed new rule, mid, mid, mid-season mid rule, why not? Love those for us. Um, on whether or not uh, club, uh, clubs should be able to transfer between affiliated clubs. So that is to say, PIF have a stake in our club. They also have a stake in four other clubs in Saudi. Um, uh, and if this rule change goes forward... It will it will it will block any kind of transfers between clubs. Um, I think that there are some kind of loopholes. I think buying is okay. I think it's like loan transfers and things like that. But um, it's it's a blow. <laughs> um, I think, especially given the injury concerns that we have and the FFP constraints that we are working within. I. I'm just going to kind of open it up to you, Chris, initially. Like, did you see this coming? Was there any talk of this? Had you uh, had you any sort of inkling before the season started? Uh, not necessarily specifically on this rule. I do know that there were, there have been machinations behind the scenes from a lot of other Premier League clubs as to how to, I mean, I suppose Newcastle fans would probably see it as a way of restricting the club's growth or prevent them from as the other Premier League clubs would, would see it as like circumventing and, and trying to push forward as, as quickly as possible, stop the sort of Man City or Chelsea way of progressing. But this specific rule, the, the first real hint we got of it was we saw we sat down with Dan Ashworth last month, nominally to talk mainly about the Sandro Tonali situation, but we asked about January and it was specifically asked, can you? there is nothing to stop you from signing players from Saudi Arabia, is there? And his response was basically, no, there isn't. And then he sort of paused for a second and said, as at thing as things stand mm. and it currently and it's like right okay so then so people start doing some digging and so there is this this rule which has been proposed now it's at the minute it's a temporary rule yeah it would be to prevent loans coming in it doesn't stop loans going out which is hilarious in, in so many ways when the the argument there's t- there's two arguments you see from briefings from the i don't know if they're the, the premier league or, or rival clubs is that a this is not about newcastle united it's categorically not about newcastle united and b that this is about the integrity of the league, but the integrity of the league doesn't stretch to those clubs be able to loan out to the the basically clubs who are to a certain degree feeder clubs. Whereas for Newcastle, because the Saudi Pro League has signed players who are of a Premier League standard, 
whereas most of the other clubs, as things stand, don't actually have that. Mm. They they can still loan their players out. So the the emergency nature of it as well. Why has this become such a uh, why has it become so urgent now? Well, that's clearly to do with Newcastle United as well. Now, the, the the opposite to this is that the weird thing, and a lot of people at Newcastle see this, is that Ruben Neves is a player that they've liked for a long while, but Ruben Neves has not, they've not made no move for Ruben Neves in January. There is not, <laughs> He's not featured at the very top of discussions about what Newcastle are going to do in January. It's not to say that that, that wouldn't be an option if they struggle to do other things. They would like it, to, I'm sure, to be an option, but they see this very much as they they are being targeted and yet the, the weird thing is that it it isn't it isn't they aren't preventing something it's it's to prevent something which may or may not have happened probably wouldn't have happened and so this rule this rule change has been voted on tuesday from speaking to people over the last couple of weeks the suggestion is that actually this rule change might not even pass as well because yeah. so many other clubs particularly you look at man united and if ineos come in do they want to be restricted from being able to do loan deals with Nice, for example, where you would look at it and say there is a club who they could sign some players who have a good standard. And so will it pass the 14 club threshold to get it through, which needs to be 14 of 20 to vote through? I think that's touch and go at this stage, but clearly it is targeted at Newcastle. It will restrict them in January in terms of their options, but not necessarily the top target. Because as I said, Ruben Neves has not been the top target going into January, I think, Stan. I really feel like the Ruben Nevers thing. I think Stephen Ord said this on a Patreon podcast this week. Like, because his name's everywhere, he just doesn't believe that he's anywhere near it because our club doesn't tend to, like, throw names out there into the press. It's almost like a, a test, isn't it? Johnny? Yeah, it, it very much is a test. But I think, I, I, I know a couple of reporters said this in the, um, in the summer, that it was so difficult to get names or in terms of actually finding out who Newcastle were actually going for. There was obviously a lot of links with another Italian midfielder before. Was it Zan- Zanolio? I think I don't know how to pronounce it. And Correct. then, then Tonali just, just came out of nowhere in terms of from the fans anyway. But I, I do think it's very, very interesting. I really do because there's a lot of pressures, a lot of heat on the Premier League right now, obviously with Everton as well, with the 10-point deduction, which was awful, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> but, but in all seriousness... I, I, I do think that other 19 clubs at the minute seeing Newcastle as a massive threat, maybe not right now, but maybe in a couple of years' time, I think they're trying to do all they can to go, right, let's put our plans in place. But I think to counter that, I think Newcastle are quite clever and I think they've already got two or three other different plans. Yes, Ruben is a good player, but is Calvin Phillips a good player? Is another player who from another league or whatever going to maybe do a job in, from January to uh, the summer because of Tenali's absence? Yeah, I think there is, and I think I think Newcastle are too clever. I think when when the four PAF uh, Saudi clubs was it the summer? Is it yeah. was it just a summer gone that they they did all this and then they started mm. buying players left, right, and centre into that league? Uh, they made it pretty clear at the time that there wasn't a plan to kind of use these as a way to feed Newcastle players, yeah. and that was always kind of the uh, the statement. And I feel like we wouldn't even be talking about this if we didn't have the injury crisis that we do, where it's like actually we might need to because of FFP being such a big deal, we might need to kind of sneakily say can we just borrow Neves for a little bit but that's literally the only player that, that would even enter the conversation one football player this whole like kind of for all is about um who like you say Johnny it's probably just a, a smokescreen for other deals but I don't know where we are with FFP in terms of how much flexibility we have elsewhere because mm-hmm. we do need to strengthen in January because of the, the, the situation we're in um but yes restricting four clubs from Newcastle isn't the end of the world I suppose from our perspective it definitely does feel like a mid-season rule like you say Charlotte designed literally to stop Newcastle from doing Newcastle but um, I, I, I don't know I'm not as, as, as worried about it Ruben Neves will be nice but I'm sure he's not the only option and he may not be the even the kind of player that Eddie Howe wants to put into this team so 
Um, yeah, so what? Let them keep making their rules because it's just kind of funny how how terrified they are of us. Before we get on FFP in January, because I'm I'm sure we will. The, Can't wait. I think Sai raises <laughs> the, the the point about the purchasing of the four clubs in the summer is an important one though because the, this whole the whole premise for this rule or the, the whole premise for the fear for why they need to bring in this rule is that the four clubs will want to deal with Newcastle and will move Ruben Neves across Newcastle. But Saudi Arabia, the PIF, put so much money into trying to improve the Saudi Pro League. Mm. The assumption that they would then just use that to give money to to give a player to Newcastle when the whole idea is that they want to increase the profile of that mm. league, I think is it, it's a faulty premise. You can't say that for certain. And the suggestions from other people who I've spoken to quite high up suggest that that, that isn't what the, the the plan is. They are yes, they have stakes in both, but there are visions, the separate visions for the two of them. And they've brought Ruben Neves for the best part of fifty million because he is one of the players who they see as increasing the profile of their league, and, yeah. and he's one of the few younger players they've got as well. He's in their mid twenties, he's in his prime. He's not like Cristiano Ronaldo who's towards the end of his career and so to just let him go about the Premier League would actually in, to a degree show weakness of the Saudi Pro League yeah it would undermine it wouldn't it like this is a league that they want to you know they're part of their vision 2030 is about tourism and is about um is about um I mean diversifying what Saudi Arabia is known for and 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 what attracts people to it if it's just some weird shell league that they like buy expensive players from and then and then ship them off to other clubs like nobody's going to be like brilliant i'll go and watch that football it sounds terrible i'm all for trying to find ways around ffp but i'm pretty sure the paf didn't buy four clubs to bring in, <laughs> just to bring in a reserve squad for newcastle united just in case at the expense of like half a billion quid <laughs> rich people do weird things can i can i ask chris actually because i think it's i think obviously there's been a lot of heat obviously on everton this week and with the whole ffp and, and x y and z i think there was a lot of people in the summer myself included when there was obviously people were saying, oh, I've got 75 million to spend or 70 million to spend or whatever. And I was going, actually, how can we have that much money to spend on players? And the, the common theme was, or the common line was, we are worried about FFP. With Everton getting that 10 point deduction, does that even increase that and go, actually, we have to be so mm. careful because if Everton are getting one charge and getting a 10 point penalty, I do think it'll get reduced on appeal. But are Newcastle United going, that's what can happen if we don't play by the rules, essentially? Well, Newcastle, from the very start of, of one of the sort of case studies that they've looked at of how not to do things is Everton, and not just in because of the situation I found themselves in with FFP points deduction, but also spending money badly, and that's what Everton have done. You, you, you could say... It, it that's what I suppose if you if you look at it from Everton's fans point of view is the sadness for the old situation is not just that they've got themselves into this is that they've got themselves into it with no actual material gain in yeah. a lot of ways they've got worse as a football club and mm. just had all this expenditure and so yes Newcastle have looked at that carefully and they continue to look at that carefully they haven't what's funny about all these rules that are being brought in as well as and I suppose the, the counterpoint which I'm going to raise before I even get into it is that Newcastle now have quite a few uh, PIF related sponsors but most of what they have done you could look at it and say to a degree it looks squeaky clean. They haven't tried to sort of circumvent all the rules. In the summer, they ended up having to get Lewis Hall on loan with an obligation to buy, but that is within the rules and that is what a lot of other clubs do. But that's because of the FFP situation and Newcastle were very tight on that. I mean, you mentioned the sort of budgets. I'm always very reluctant whenever I hear a figure from anyone related or inside the club to, to use a figure like that because it's very difficult and FFP is so complicated that things can move. And also, what does that budget mean? Does that mean they've got 75 million as down payments this summer? Does that mean they've got 75 million to amortise, which means over the course of if you sign someone over five years that the cost of the transfer gets spread over that five years? So is it for the initial payment of that? And so this is all very, very difficult. But yes, Newcastle are in that situation. And when we come to January, 
they have some flexibility, but they don't have loads because they do prioritize a summer window. And obviously they, they had a big investment in Sandro Tonali, which was the majority of their summer business, but also Livramento cost a lot of money. And January, to a certain extent, what they can do will be determined by how they do in Europe. Because if they're progressing the Champions League, that's worth about at least another 15 million to them. And therefore that gives them a little bit more wriggle room in the short term and so yes they are going to have constraints in January and although they want to do things they are that the, the word come out of the club as it has been over the last few windows is that they have to be smart about things they have to they have to be creative is the word that they often use and that will probably mean in a lot of cases loans with options or obligations to buy or looking to sign someone on a decent long-term deal whereby the the the, the fee is amortized over quite a long period that's why i'm not too worried about this rule change if it does get passed this week because I think that they are very creative with what they do and how they do it. And I also like that they're careful. I don't want us to be in a situation like Everton. Okay, we are a materially better club with the signings that we've made. And yes, if we had, you know, bent the rules or or just like tried our luck, we probably would have got better in the way that Everton didn't. But um I, I, I'm okay with the fact that we haven't we've had a we had a, an incredible season last season. We're having a much trickier season this season. It's all part of this ride, isn't it? And I and I know that they'll be creative and I know that they'll be, to your point, Johnny, clever about it because these people have paid lots of money to to work out how to make this work. So they've got to earn, their, earn it. They do. <laughs> and for Newcastle, the way that they've tried to increase the FFP fold as well is to grow commercially as quickly as they possibly can. And there is still huge room for growth, but compared to where they were two years ago when they took over, that has allowed them to have far more room within that. The the, shirt, the front of shirt sponsorship deal, the income in Adidas kit manufacturer deal, all of the other ones alongside it. Newcastle have to get these through, you talk about Premier League rules that have been brought in, Newcastle have to get these through the fair market value deal. And that's basically mm. where it gets scrutinised by the Premier League to decide whether that is, they haven't just inflated it as, as a lot of people look at the Man City situation and allege that, I mean, Man City are now earning more money than, than Barcelona and Real Madrid. And a, a large part of that is to do with the, their related party sponsors, mm-hmm. which have been in, in place for a long period of time. Newcastle have, have had none of theirs just be able to get through. They have to justify all of them. And so far they've done that. But but I think to a certain degree in terms of where they plan to be in three years time, they've also been a little bit conservative with that. And these will continue to be renegotiated. And that over time will give them more FFP room as well if you can get in the Champions League on a regular basis. Do you want to? No, 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 no. no. Okay, we'll leave it there for part two. Um, We will talk about January as we've all been kind of touching on it. The run up to January between now and then and then a bit on January in part three. Uh, another note that we're on Patreon, if you want to hear this podcast without adverts, please do join us there. It's between three and eight pounds per month for lots of extra delicious podcasts. So please do join us there. Part three of the show, and it's time to look forward. It's time to look at what we've got in front of us, which is to say a pretty hard run of 10 games. We've got um, the international break finishing next week with Chelsea at home. We've then got... Um, PSG away. We've then got Man United at home. Then we've got Everton away, which hopefully will be fine. Um, then Spurs away. So quite a lot of trips away, quite a lot of quote unquote big teams, teams like Chelsea that are sort of finding their stride just before this international break, which is a bit of a bother for us because they were a bit all over the place before. Um, Chris, what do we, it's a pretty broad question, but what do we need to do between now and January? Is it as simple as not get any more injuries or um you know what's the priority for Newcastle here 
I mean, I think that to a degree is, is unrealistic. I think there will, there will be more injuries. They just need to try and mitigate against that and limit them. What I think they need to do, because I, I don't worry for Newcastle at home. I think that the, the crowd pulls them through matches. The home record is excellent and they just seem to, to know how to play against, regardless who the opposition is, that they, they will do very, very well at St. James's. The away record is a concern and that's going to be difficult to arrest because of all of the factors that we've already mentioned. But they need to try and find a way to be a bit more resilient on the road, whether that means that they have to go against Eddie Howe's methods and be a little bit less open or a little, or a little bit less offensive in some ways, just because they, they at Bournemouth you saw that was that was everything coming to a culmination. Mm. But you also saw the weakness Newcastle sort of have, and I think the, a few sides have exploited that. Wolves did on the break, West Ham did uh, at certain moments of that game, Dortmund did, where they get in behind Newcastle's fullbacks because Newcastle are determined to get forward, and they, they need to find a way to to just try and, as, as much as they can, get through these matches and stay in touch with the top six because I think... That, that I think that the gap may open up a little bit more, but it, it's where if, if Newcastle can get to January and are not too far adrift of that situation, if they, they manage to get through in the League Cup and then who knows what happens exactly in Europe, that all possibilities are still open there, then I think the second half of the season, given that January will come to their aid, not just because of, of what they could do in the market, but because they can get back on the training pitch, because they can rest up and get some bodies back, I do think that they will come strong in the second half of the season. That's what any house sides tend to do. They have at Newcastle so far. And I do think that that will happen again. Yeah, I think it's worth remembering, isn't it? The first season that he came in, he, brought, he came in when we were, what, 20th or 19th? And um, and we, we really picked up in that second half of the season once he'd... Uh, yes, there were fewer games. Yes, there were, there were you know, fewer problems in that, in that respect. But... Um, he, the, the, the same thing happened last season. We had a bit of a lull, didn't we, around that sort of... I think we only picked up around, like, February, March time after the after the Cup game. Um, and uh, and and we finished really strong. So I'm not... I think the, the context of that, though, is that other teams weren't doing so well in the Premier League last season. So we were able to kind of exploit that and finish quite high up the table in a way that that isn't happening this season. I think it's a much tighter top of the table. And I do think we have to uh, sort of consider that. Johnny, in terms of what success looks like this season, then it, it always gets recalibrated as, as the season goes on. What's what's success now? Honestly, God knows. <laughs> God knows these days. Um, I still think if you ask Newcastle United, the Premier League's the bread and butter at this moment in time. I still think they go... We need that's the best competition we need to be having our best results in. The Champions League is an unbelievable competition to be in, but as we saw against Borussia Dortmund, we're just we're not at that level in my opinion. We're not a million miles off it, but this is still going to be. We've still got a lot of players that aren't used to this environment. What I would say to counter what I've almost said a little bit, <laughs> we've only lost one Premier League game since Brighton, and that was Bournemouth where we looked absolutely knackered, where we were done. Like we, you could, you, I, you, I don't think you could really have a whinge about that Bournemouth result, even though a couple of fans did. But To Trippier's face. Potentially, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just, for me, I, I don't like saying this, but I kind of get, I let them have that one because it was the fact that there was just a culmination of just so many injuries, fatigue, and we just looked, we just looked off it completely. But I, I'm not too worried a little bit. <laughs> but I'm, not, I'm not like totally convinced no, by your tone. No, I'm not. I'm trying, to con- I'm trying to convince myself why I'm talking. But 
I still think that I've got belief in this squad. I think that I, I would love us to go all out in the Carabao Cup. I really do. Because I think that's our best chance of winning silverware. I know we're probably going to get Liverpool in a two-legged semi-final because that's just how the way the draws have ended up. But imagine if we did get a Port Vale in middle, or a Middlesbrough. Yeah. If we got through against Chelsea, which is going to be difficult. Oh, I'd love to be, I'd borrow would be amazing. But I still think that is a, is a fantastic opportunity. And I know Liverpool are probably our favourites and rightly so. But there's no reason why we can't beat them on a, on a one-off game potentially. That was a that was an emotional journey there from <laughs> full of dread to yep we're going to win the cup. Um, that would be amazing. I I I'm I am actually worried uh, about this next set of fixtures. I think Chris said absolutely right. We just have to try and keep in touch while mm. we're trying to get people back and trying to limp over the the line. We've got a, you know a trip to Paris, three trips to London, Chelsea, Luton, um, and. Spurs. Spurs. Um, Everton away should be nice, but off, off the back of some of these other fixtures, might not be as easy as it sounds. So I think we're going to really limp on through all these fixtures. Eddie Howe teams are defined by momentum, by by big runs we go on. Like last season, there was a, the run after February that was crazy. Um, and the one just before the World Cup in November, you know, we, we, had, we had these two outrageous runs where we won something like eight out of nine on two occasions. I don't see that happening before Christmas this year. Um, you know, it's not criticism. The, the games are harder. There's there's no there's no nice five games in a row where we're definitely going to win. You know, there's mm. not that kind of you know Palace, Burnley, Luton all, all off the back of each other. They're all mixed in with difficult fixtures and, and long away trips. So I think we really are going to struggle. I think I've finally started to register that we might not get back in the Champions League next season, which would be okay. But it's the first time I'm really acknowledging that that's that's going to be a push now getting into the top four, top five if that's a possibility. But as as the English teams perform some Europe currently stands would the fifth place wouldn't go to england no, no, it, is, no it is at the minute it, oh, it, it is the, the minute it is and i think there's i think opta released a stat last week where i think there's a at the minute a 60 percent chance that it will okay. be but it's still it's very complicated and is determined yeah. on how english teams perform yeah yeah um 60 is way less than it was previously because of performance of like manu etc um so yeah i i'm i'm not nervous about the idea of that i think the club will be but it's not the end of the world. Teams like Arsenal have dropped out the top four, then come back stronger. Um, I think it would give us a bit of a chance to recalibrate. But as per the FPP, FFP uh, conversation, getting through in the Champions League and staying in the Champions League is probably very, very important for mm. us to continue to grow. So it's going to be really challenging. That said, you know, we've seen what, what the team can do, even threadbare, like at Old Trafford, like against Arsenal a couple of weeks ago. It can be done. Um, it's just how much of that we can maintain um, if we keep losing more and more players. And January's going to be huge. Um, not being able to loan Neves, never mind, but we'll have to we'll have to bring somebody in. And if we can yeah. just get a couple of bodies in to help, um, then we'll probably be okay. And then when the fixtures start to spread out a bit more, even if we are in the last stages of the Champions League or Europa League, it's not like a group stage. You're not playing every week um, and the cup game should be a bit more spread out. So as soon as we get into that period of the season, things will pick up. So as long as, Chris, like Chris said, well, within touching distance of the top six, top five, I think we'll be okay, but I'm getting a bit nervous that we could find ourselves by Christmas way off the pace. And yeah. like I said, that would be acceptable. I think we've had a really tough run and, and lots of things going against us. But yeah, I, I think uh, expectations have, have been tempered a little bit by yeah. where we find ourselves. Well, we're going to win the cup, so we'll be in some kind <laughs> of European <laughs> competition next season, so it's fine. I mean, picking up on the on the cup point, I'll get, I'll get that in a second. I mean, there, there has been, I think a lot of people are starting to sort of catastrophize about the the fact they might not get back in the Champions League. And that would be a, a real negative in many ways, given the FFP situation. But Newcastle didn't expect to be in it this season if you if you if you retract 12 months. And I know people go, oh yeah, but we are and we've moved on. But that is the reality. And they, they have budgeted for the fact that they might not be in it come next season. And 
I know there are arguments about would you want Europa League football because of what the effect that it can have, but maybe Newcastle being in the Europa Conference League or the Europa League next season, maybe that's more of an experience for them to learn how mm. to play, how to, to, to deal with these situations. And then when you go up another level to the Champions League, you've had that year of getting used to the fatigue and then, and then you kick it on. But I do think the Cup is very, very important. I think last year feels like even more of a missed opportunity than it than it did because you look at the situation Newcastle are in now and every and there is now an assumption people are just say oh well Newcastle will win things but it's like when will they win things why is there that so it's it's not like when Man City came through and there weren't that many challenges and they could go on and win things very few teams win the Premier League as the first trophy they usually win other competitions first and as you've seen this season Newcastle have done very very well to get through in a very very difficult cup draw haven't changed the team but really, you could see that that was the third of his priorities up to that point, Eddie Howe, understandably so. Mm-hmm. So what point does that change in the future? At what point can you suddenly say in the future, if Newcastle do get back in the Champions League, at what point can you say they'll win the Carabao Cup this season? Yes, the theory is the squad will get stronger, but I do think the sooner you can win a cup, the easier then that becomes to be able to replicate and then grow on that success going forward. So I think the cup, for, and, and I probably am in the minority there, a lot of people will be looking at it and saying they've got to get back in the Champions League next season, but I think the sooner they win the cup, the better it is in terms of that long-term growth for that reason. I knew I'd get Chris on side. <laughs> I, knew it. I, knew it. I can't wait to win the cup. Um, just finally then, um, we've talked kind of between now and January, the consensus seems to be we just need to like hunker down and crawl to crawl to January, get there. We The games start to spread out. We have a transfer window to take advantage of in theory. Um, and uh, hopefully, you know, that time, off for some of our players will mean that a few more are back what do we need to do in January and I realize this is a podcast on its own but and what what are the priorities do you think for January I mean I'm going to give what sounds like very much a cop-out answer to begin with and say that Newcastle haven't yet decided what they're going to do in January which seems as the journalist being on it but that is to a degree true I've spoken to a lot of people this week and the they have an idea of if the January transfer window open next week what they would like to do and obviously sorting out the the Sandro Tonali shaped hole in midfield would be one priority but Mm -hmm. if they have all midfielders fit there's a recognition that there may be other positions they need to strengthen there's becoming more and more around the idea that they probably do need an attacking player of some form whether that is another striker or whether that is a a versatile player to play across the front I don't think they're going to do absolutely loads in January two maybe three players will come in Mm. uh, probably primarily loans if they can do permanent then they'll look to do it but they have they are also because of the injury situation if they come to January and they've all of their centre-backs are injured then they may prioritise assign a centre-back that is another position they may look at anyway right side centre-back but that that's the situation they're in right now and as I mentioned earlier it also what they can do is also determined by how they perform in the Champions League and whether they get through it's hard, isn't it? Because we don't know what's going to happen between now and January and how many more of our players will be um, stretched off the pitch between now and then. So, Johnny, what would your what would your kind of concern or priority be? I still would like another striker, as Chris mentioned. I, again, I, I'm not too specific about whether it's an out-and-out striker or someone that can play along the front line. I still think a number six is what Newcastle are crying out for. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think they need a number six, and I think they needed one in the summer. I don't think Sandro Tonali is a number six from what I've seen, but again, we've only seen very little of them. And I am also concerned if Fabian Shaw picks up a big injury because I think, yes, Jamal Jamal Lassalle has done pretty well since he's come in and we're not taking that away. That is still a big concern for me. And I still think that 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 should have been dealt with in the summer and it wasn't. And I I don't know whether they thought they had to to prioritise other uh, positions first, but 
yeah, I, I'd like to think that's the long-term vision. Maybe in the summer to go, we need a young centre-half to kind of be the next Fabian share, if you like. That entire spine of the team yeah. <laughs> needs to be strengthened in an, in an ideal world. I doubt we'll get you know a, a centre-half that can compete, a midfielder that can compete, and a centre-forward that can compete in January. But that is the wish list for me. I think um, we were naive to go into the season with Wilson and Isaac and not expect that with both of them being quite injury-prone, mm. there wouldn't be periods where... Warner both couldn't play and we're in one at the minute. Um, I'm as concerned about the Tenali hole as I am about the potential for a Bruno hole. What happens if Bruno gets injured or suspended? We're terrible without Bruno, like yeah. we really are. Um, but we can't just anticipate him to play another 30 games a season. There might be periods without him. We need someone else who can do that job. And again, that's easier said than done, getting a player that can do Bruno's job. And it's not so much about the number six position for me as it is just a quality midfielder who makes things happen, who can move the ball quickly because when he's not on the team, we just can't move the ball quickly. We can't yeah. turn over play. We can't create in the way that we do with him in the team. And Tonali was quite good at that as well. Like He was another option as a you know just a next level up footballer. I love Longstaff. I love Joe Linton. I love Joe Willock, but none of them do what those two lads can do. And yeah, the centre-half thing is, is a risk. Uh, we've been too long without Bruno, but... Um, without share as well, or just just relying too much on Jamal Lascelles, who years ago we would have just written off as a footballer, and mm. he's, he has done brilliantly. But I thought he looked stretched more than anyone in the last couple of games, and yeah. he just looked like he needed a rest. And this, <laughs> Jamal can't afford a rest yet at the minute; he's got <laughs> no other options. I suppose you could say Kraft and Dummett based on their league club exploits, but those two games were just played at a totally different intensity, in my opinion, to Premier League and Champions League fixtures. So yeah, those three positions are big holes in our team and big risks where. One more injury to midfield, forward or defence, we're in we're in big trouble. Uh, just to pick up on the Bruno Guimaraes point, I agree with you. I suppose the way that Newcastle would look at it is that Tonali was meant to be the player who lessened the load on yeah. him. Not exactly mm, yeah. the same sort of player. Now, I, I agree with Jonathan's point that he's he's not really number six, but he can play there. And the the, the idea became eventually that, that Bruno would probably continue there, but then Tonali would lessen the load and Bruno wouldn't have to play every single game. It hasn't worked out like that. And yeah. they do sort of need that other player in midfield who you, you, as you as Sai said can you expect Bruno to play the, the vast majority of the rest of the season I don't think so coming back to the very start I've just remembered the slightest slightest positive I can give because you've mentioned Fabian Scher is the suggestion I've had over the last couple of days is he will be fit and available for next weekend because he did okay. play for Switzerland yes. so there's 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 attempted a slight he, positive you finished the podcast <laughs> filling us with joy the, the bar is low Fabian Scher is back and I want to go and celebrate that's where I would get the champagne out um, we will leave it there there is so much so much discussion here so much we could just keep talking about but we can't because the podcast has to end sometimes so we'll end it there thank you so much Chris Woff from the athletic for joining us today thank you Sai and johnny um thank you guys for listening we're on patreon please do consider joining us there again between three and eight pounds a month and then if you're around in newcastle on december 5th and you are at a loose end please join us at the stand for a live show um pre-christmas we're gonna we're gonna make it a happy one i mean not just if you're at a loose end make make it your plans for december yeah, if you're at a tight end also <laughs> make it your plan so um we'll look forward to seeing you all there um thank you so much for listening take care Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.